thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. My music is back. All right. Hey, people. Welcome to today's edition of Bible News Radio. I don't know who you are, but I am my, I am your sweet and lovable host. Yeah, I am Stacey Lynn Harp right there. That's my name. And uh, I just want to say thank you for coming in tonight, being our guest. I love this song. This is actually a Facebook, like some guy on Facebook put this up a long time ago. Anyway, so what we're going to do tonight... To me, this is a special show because I don't interview a lot of people anymore. And uh, when I saw this book here, right here, this book, I was like, I got to talk to this guy a couple years ago at the, the Prophecy Watchers Conference in Oklahoma. I met him in person. We actually did a short interview a couple years ago with him. But tonight, we are going to talk to Todd Hampson for the whole hour. And we're going to do something different that we have never, ever done with a live guest on our show, uh, on video anyway. What we're going to do is we're going to give away a copy of his book, but you know what? You have to call in and talk to Todd. Mm -hmm. And so we will put that phone number up for you. If you are on my text message list, I already sent it to you with the access code. You have to dial in for that. Uh, so we're going to do that if you want a copy of Todd's book. And trust me, you're going to want you're gonna want it. It's super cool. Hey, and if you don't know who Todd is, I'm just going to read the little bio here on the back and tell you who he is. He is an author, clearly, because he has a book. <laughs> He's got more than one book, just so you know. Uh, and illustrator and animation producer, in addition to founding Timbuktoons LLC, an award-winning animation company, he has produced artwork and animation for clients such as Phil Vischer, The Salvation Army, Compassion International, and the National Archives. Todd and his wife are the proud parents of three high school and college-age children and make their home in Georgia. I have a friend in Georgia. Her name's Jeannie. Jeannie from Georgia. Yeah, anyway, so here's the, the book we're talking about tonight. So do me a favor, everybody. I know as the internet rolls stuff out, do me a favor and... Share this out on whatever platform you're at, you're on. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. Because you know how the, you know, we're on all liberal platforms, in case you didn't know this. We're not on Christian media platforms. There's a reason for that, people. We're trying to save the lost. And how many people actually have you ever heard that they go, have you ever heard, have you ever seen this guy yelling and screaming, the end is near, the end is near, the end is near? <laughs> we're we're going to talk about that. Yeah, because, you know, that irritates some people. <clears throat> and we understand why. Yeah, we do. So, uh, the music is over. Yeah, it is. Now it sounds so quiet in here. So, now is the time for all of us to welcome Todd to our show. So, Todd, welcome to Bible News Radio. I'm glad you're here. And, of course, I want to thank Bareface for, you know, all the production he's doing because he's a super, super man. So, Todd, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to join you. Well, I, I'm glad you're here. And you know what? I have to say that it was there's very few people that I have on my show that I've actually met first in person and then on video, <laughs> usually it's video and then I get to meet them in person. So it was kind of neat to actually meet you a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, we, we talked about your first book and now he, I believe it was your first book, right? Yeah, that was my first, I wrote one other one self-published about being an artist, a Christian artist. Mm -hmm. This was my first on the topic of eschatology. Cool. All right. So yeah. I want to know a little bit about your background and I know a lot of people, they don't wait, hold on. They don't know who you are yet. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I think this is cool. You're an illustrator, an artist, mm -hmm. AKA, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and is all the illustrations in here are all yours? Yes. I did all the illustration there. I've, I've, I've been an artist since as long as I can remember, went to art school, worked in a graphic design position for about 13 years in, in the corporate world. And then, uh, started Timbuktoons 
So really character design, animation, you know, illustration, comic type stuff. That's, that's my, my background. And I've always had a passion for eschatology and, and Bible prophecy because I grew up completely unchurched, mm-hmm. thought that the Bible was a book of fairy tales. And then someone showed me how fulfilled Bible prophecy sh- proves that the Bible's from God. And I've just, ever since then, I've had a, a love and a passion for it. That's so cool. Well, first yeah. of all, I think anybody that can draw is cool because that's not one of my strong suits at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I could, you know, I can draw a stick figure. I always tell people, it's funny how often people say that to me. <laughs> like, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And I say, well, then I talk to him for a little bit and, and I bet the same would happen here. If I talk to you about how you come up with creative, creative ideas to do this show, we, we'd find some ways that you have a creative inside of you because God's a creator. So all of us have creative abilities. I just happen to have goofy drawing creative abilities. Yeah. Well, what I mean is, is drawing. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not a drawer, but, but I am very creative actually. You know, people don't realize how creative you have to be to do a show. Absolutely. And for me, it's like, you know, boop, there you go. You know, there's yeah. some people that, that would be like, like, you know, sludging through mud and, <laughs> and to do what I do. Right. You know, cause, cause I talk naturally to people. It's no big deal to me, but some people, this would be like pulling teeth, like, no, don't make me talk about it for an hour. Ah. Um, but anyway, so yeah. And t- teaching's my gift and, and writing, you know, and speaking is, is my gift. So, but awesome. I love your gift. Cause this is so cool. Okay. So tell us about who this dude is here. Cause I love this character. It's all throughout the book. Or he, he's all throughout the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's, that's the nonprofit. So he's the nonprofit, N-O-N-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. And he's the nonprofit on two levels. Number one, he, he gets Bible prophecy wrong all the time. So he's kind of the bad example of what Bible prophecy is. But also he's a terrible businessman. So he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's always coming up with these little businesses that go south. So he's, he's the epitome of a day late and a dollar short. And uh, he really is the comedy relief throughout the book series that kind of helps helps it, you know, helps break down some walls and bring some humor into the topic. And honestly, lets us poke fun at Christian culture a little bit even and uh, and prophecy and all kinds of stuff. And then kind of use him to show that the negative example of of what Bible prophecy should be all about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was reading that and I was laughing because I was. There, there is some pretty funny stuff in there. <laughs> you know, I forgot. See, I took, see, I took notes. Look, these are my notes. This is just nice. from, from a little bit. These are my, like my questions. I don't have any lead questions, but okay. So you, <laughs> you started out this book, uh, talking, um, one of the things that you discussed in the beginning of the book was you talked about film class and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how, a, what happened and what you learned in film class. And I have to tell you, that one of my very first classes in college when I was an undergrad was, was a film class and everything you described. Hmm. I also, uh, I learned, yeah, it ruined film for me forever. Um, (laughs) You can't watch it the same. No, I remember, I remember the, um, my teacher saying, always remember the very first scene in a film because it's extremely significant and will carry Hmm. out through the whole film. I don't know if you heard that, but you want to explain what you meant by that in, in, Lieu of Bible prophecy. Yeah, I, I, I talk about in the book, um, you know, because of my background, a lot of analogies and the way I think. And then I relate it to, um, you know, Bible prophecy in, the, in, the, in this book, the book of Revelation. But I talk about how in this one class that I thought I was going to hate because we analyzed, I think it was eight or nine different black and white films that were, you know, supposed to be like, you know, old, old uh, top films. And my so I thought it was going to be boring as all get out, but it actually was amazing. I actually wound up falling in love with the films and just really learned the craft like I'd never understood it before. But one of the things that our professor really pointed out was that nothing on screen is there by accident. You know, the lighting, the staging, the patterns, the camera angle, everything that a good director can possibly control is there for a purpose and um, nothing's there by accident. And it's there to help move the story forward and, and, and propel the vision that the director has for the film. And what I relate that to in the book, especially with the book of Revelation, is that nothing in scripture is there by accident. And I, and I reference the one verse that says, you know, that no, nothing is going to be unfulfilled, not the smallest, not, not a jot or a tittle, which are the two smallest Hebrew marks uh, are going to go unfulfilled. And basically pointing out the fact that every nuance of scripture is ordained by God. So the more you study it, the more you see these patterns and connections and 
and realize, especially with the book of Revelation and end times topics, that it's not random, that it is knowable, that you can figure it out. And the more you study, the more you realize how rich it is and how it just draws you in and you just you just can't get enough. Yeah, I was, it's very true. And you know what, the one of the other points you brought out, um, and, and you know what, I'm glad you did, because when I was reading that, I was thinking, you know, that's a good point. Now you talk about how the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation, you know, are often controversial books for, for many reasons, but often misunderstood books. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, you mentioned the 64 books in between those two. Uh, you know, there's, there is, there's a thread. There's, I think that you use the word DNA. There's like DNA throughout the whole, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole thing. And I thought, you know what? You also talked about how the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation are also attacked. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for you to elaborate on that because I, I was thinking, dang, you're so right. You know, <laughs> Ken mm-hmm. Ham would tell you that, right? With answers in Genesis. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, the whole, we have all these debates with, um, you know, what do you call, um, evolution and creation mm-hmm. naturalists and, and evolutionists and all that stuff so yeah yeah, yeah so talk about that because yeah I, a lot of people might not realize that but it's true yeah and and the book of revelation itself people kind of see it as a standalone scary apocalyptic destructive book <laughs> but what they don't realize is one of the main purposes of revelation is really to tie up all of the themes throughout scripture that are first introduced in genesis and then wind their way throughout scripture uh, we've all heard of the, the golden thread that winds through scripture, Jesus. You can see him in every single book, but also every key line of theology, every key promise and covenant and all that stuff finds its its ultimate fulfillment in the book of Revelation. And I often tell people, if you if you don't study the book of Revelation, it's like going to your favorite movie and then walking out before the ending. You don't even know how it ends. You know, that's the most exciting part, but the enemy's done a good job of getting our eyes off of that book. Uh, and also the same, as you mentioned, with the book of Genesis, you know, with the theory of evolution and how that's kind of infused itself into every area of secular life in the past 200 years or so. Um, that's kind of, you know, if, if the enemy can take the legs out of our origins and our future, then what do we really have to stand on? You know, if believers even, if believers doubt the fact of origins that God created us, that you can't, that Genesis can be interpreted literally, I mean, you know, there's there's symbolism in Genesis and there's some in obviously Revelation, but the Bible gives us the meaning of those symbols. It's not just random, random things. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a, a connection, a direct connection between Genesis and Revelation. And just one example, Genesis 315, it's the, the first prophecy of a savior. It's if you read uh, Revelation chapter one, verse one, it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So there's a direct connection there. Uh, and you just find these connections throughout it. And it's, uh, I also use the analogy of if any, if you've known anybody who's adopted a child um, or have friends that have adopted children, we, we have some, and they're, even though, even if they grew up in a loving home, they always, the two things they always want to know is where did I come from? Like, what were my biological parents like? They want to know where they came from. And then of course, we all want to know where we're going in the future. We want to know how it all winds up. And God, the only one who is there at the beginning and already sees the end because he's outside of time, gives us both ends of that of that spectrum and and condenses all the rest of scripture in between those two. So it's uh, yeah, there's a definitely a very powerful connection between Genesis and Revelation. And it's no wonder, like you said, both of those are attacked by secular sources. And honestly, a lot of Christian sources even now attacking both books and trying to water them down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting too. You also mentioned the book of um, of Daniel and how, you know, often we see that as the book of Revelation in the Old Testament. It's kind of the, kind of the same thing. And these three books, honestly, are some of my favorite in the whole Bible. Um, you know, even from, uh, you know, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and and how that that brought out parts of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've even discovered. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Okay, wait. Let, who is it? Wait, come to me. Oh, great. A oh, great thought. If you can't remember it now, you're going to wake up at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And it's all going to be there. It's the guy who, who, uh, okay. Oh gosh. <laughs> this could drive me crazy. Okay. Anyway, I know, I know what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. It'll um, come to you. But yeah, it, it's the, um, who's the guy who, um, 
he he talks about Dead Sea Scrolls and um Oh um it's... <laughs> Was he at Prophecy Watchers? He's got the beard. No, that's Ken Johnson, I think. Okay, yeah. Well yeah, I mean it is Ken Johnson, but that's not who I'm thinking. Um yeah. um Josh McDowell. Okay, there it goes. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so Josh McDowell wrote a book, Evidence That That Demands a Verdict, as you know, and then he wrote a new updated version of it, a revised version, Mm -hmm. and not too long ago, I was watching him, it was a kind of a taped thing on YouTube, but he was talking about how even more, you know, scrolls and things like that have been found that we don't even Mm -hmm. know how many, and it's tens of thousands of these scrolls. It's, it's, it's ridiculous the artifacts yeah. that the Lord has just kind of got, oh, poof, well, I'm just going to do this for fun. That's yeah, right. Exactly. And I'm like, exactly. the book of Daniel, for many years, people didn't believe that it was actually a real book, you know, mm-hmm. that there wasn't anything to support it. And they actually found stuff now supporting it, uh, yeah. which, duh. <laughs> exactly. And that's happened so many times with the yeah. Dead Sea Scrolls, but also other archaeological discoveries like people they used to say the hittites didn't exist Mm -hmm. because they were only mentioned in the bible until one day they accidentally dug up the whole hittite library and realized it was this big civilization and and honestly that i mean at least i'd say even the past four or five years with me not even looking for it i've i've noticed at least six or seven articles each year about a new discovery that completely confirms something that was in scripture that people said it didn't exist because it was only in scripture like no, it's a historical document, and every every archaeological dis- discovery has shown that it it can be trusted. Yeah, because it's only in scripture, eh. so right. it doesn't exist because it's only in scripture. Yeah, yep. that's what that's what cracks me up about atheists. They're like, "Well, you you believe in stupid things," and I'm yeah. <laughs> like, "Right, okay." If As... only they take the time to slow down and investigate it versus just not think about it. I think they would like Lee Strobel. You know, uh-huh. he. He was an atheist trying to prove his wife wrong and he dug in and did the work and he wound up becoming a Christian. <laughs> so, you know, my very first guest when I started the show 15 years ago was Frank Turek. And we talked about his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Wow. Uh, way back that long ago. That book is still yeah. pretty popular too. But awesome. uh, anyway, I want to let everybody know hey, if you just logged in i know some of you are coming in i don't know if periscope's having problems i don't know randall if i can't see anybody on youtube uh, i don't i'm gonna try to look over there i know we got like five platforms we're on um <laughs> if you um if you guys are interested in talking to todd i thought we would do something completely different than what we normally do uh which with a guest we and we've never done this before we have never opened up our actual studio back studio to have anybody call in but because I have an extra book and I thought that it would be more fun to give it to somebody who would actually want to call in and talk to Todd, um, we have provided a phone number. Um, I did post it on uh, my Facebook page. I sent it to my text message list. Um, and Randall, I think, is going to put it up on. Oh, there it is. It's right there, people, <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> if if you if you want to call in and talk to Todd and ask him any questions about the book of Revelation or his background or anything, uh, then I really encourage you to do so. First of all, it will help us to see how well this will work. But second of all, you can get a book if you do. I only have <laughs> one though. So, uh, so we'll give you, we'll leave that up there for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, the first person that we see who calls in, will take you and, uh, and then you can be on the show with us, which would be super cool. I hope, I hope somebody takes us up on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So in chapter two, one of the things that you discuss here, actually, see, I have all these notes I took. Um, <laughs> you talked about the single point perspective in art. <clears throat> and actually, when I was watching your interview with Gary, um, you guys talked about this, too. And I thought that was really interesting. In fact, I think I can find the picture in here. I don't have the fancy graphics that they did. Um, but I think this is it here. This is that picture right there. Yeah. Which, see, I bent the page. I'm not going to give the person this book. (laughs) I'm keeping this one book. So do you want to explain that and how that lines up with the word? Absolutely. Yeah. I In that chapter, I talk about a technique we use in the art world when we're drawing a scene or a a background for animation and you're trying to give a 2D space the illusion of depth. We use a thing called single point perspective. And basically, you draw a horizon line a single dot on that horizon line. And then as you compose your scene, whether it's buildings or vehicles or whatever, 
as they push back into 3D space, the, their lines, their 3D lines converge at that, that single point of perspective. So it kind of gives you the illusion of depth. You've probably seen like train tracks or, or things like that. Even some kids of you know, elementary school have played around with single point perspective and have all the lines converging and it looks like it's deep. Well, what I, the analogy that I use is that Revelation has a single point perspective and actually scripture has a single point perspective and it's the person of Jesus Christ. Um, the, the entire Bible, when you study it, all points to the Messiah. Uh, but the, the, where it becomes so fascinating with the book of Revelation is that, you know, we're all used to, you know, studying about the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which are all amazing things and important to our salvation. But we often forget about the fact that he's coming back as a reigning king. And, you know, the descriptions that John gives about, of Jesus in chapter 1 and then again in chapter 19, when Jesus returns, are, are not the typical uh, descriptions of Jesus that you've seen depicted in paintings and stuff like that. In, in chapter one, he talks about Jesus coming back. You know, he, he's trying to use language to describe Jesus. And he's talking, you know, he's saying his, he's got eyes like the flame, flames of fire and his, his thighs were like burnished bronze. And then in chapter 19, he's literally coming back on a robe dipped in blood with, you know, a, a sword shooting out of his mouth. So these are pictures of Jesus that you don't really see elsewhere in scripture, but he's the single point perspective. He's the anchor of scripture. He's the ultimate fulfillment of all the key areas of theology. And he's the center figure in the book of Revelation. And that's what we find with the opening verse. You know, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I think people like... Yeah, I'm, I know you know about the red letter Christians, right? Right. Yeah. I think that they, I think that they forget though that the Book of Revelation has a whole lot of red letters in it. Yeah, absolutely. You ever notice that? Because because I I think that that is uh that's true too. And in fact, yeah, it cracks me up. I've had people say, um, yeah, I like the I like the God of the New Testament. You know, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. He's judgmental. I'm like, um, have you read Revelation? Because it comes full circle again. There, there's a period of grace and that's the purpose is to draw as many people in, but it's going to get crazy in the end time. So, but thank God we'll be out of here. I believe before yeah. all that craziness well, happens. And they, they actually forget that love is actually there's God's love is actually mentioned more in the old Testament than the new Testament. Mm -hmm. mm, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So in this book, the nonprofit play, plays telephone, just to give you guys the idea of, of like one of the cartoons in here. This is so cute. <laughs> I'm going to read it, though, because I can't read it backwards. So so you got the prophet here. Um, the woman said, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. And then uh, the nonprofit says to the next guy, Andy sent San dignified by D'Angelo to surf's up John. <laughs> so how do you get your sense of humor because it is pretty well, funny it's funny i'm glad you're laughing at it because well growing <laughs> I, up, I, was, I don't know if you're familiar with the old far side far side cartoons yes yeah i just love those i love that guy's humor um i love you know just the way he thinks and stuff and i i guess i kind of that's influenced me a little bit and i think kind of the same but when, it's funny whenever you're doing a cartoon as an illustrator uh, without someone else kind of giving you the content you really don't know how people are going to respond to it. So, so what it boils down to is as an artist, you got to make something that at least you like. And if you like it, you know, that that's the most important thing. Usually I found that other people like it too. Uh, but it is always reassuring when people like yourself share their favorite or one of the ones that jumped out at them. Cause sometimes they're the ones that I was like, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite artists is uh, Stefan Pastis who, who is ah. um, uh, Pearl's before swine. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rat good. and Pig and uh, yeah. the other guys, they're they're funny. I always find them funny. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, so I'm, I'm waiting to see if anybody's going to be able to call in. Now, somebody actually did say they wanted to call in, but they were having a problem with the phone number. So I don't know why that is, though, because it's a normal phone number. <laughs> so hopefully somebody will call in. Okay, so... Uh, in the meantime, though, we could talk like for 10 hours about your book. So um, I, I like how you titled the chapter um, Jesus Meek and Wild. And I know that you you um, mm -hmm. actually addressed that just a little bit a minute ago. But but I would like for you to elaborate on that, because I think how people see the Lord these days um, 
it is uh it's irritating yeah. because it's because <laughs> it's not who he is right so right. and we have these caricatures frankly by artists it's it's your people's fault no i'm just kidding you <laughs> yeah it is it is it's always a white a pale white european guy with blonde hair <laughs> yeah well or or not only that but it's it's like it's we have that depiction that he's just you know has babies or children right. sitting on his lap or the he's flipping the tables over right right you know and people even get that wrong because i don't know if you realize but I, I had a friend that did a whole study on anger and she she actually used that passage in in uh, her study and one of the things that that I never realized until I went through that study and was looking at the response to that. Mm -hmm. Do you know that that the people worshipped and, and the kids worshipped when he did that? Wow, I never picked up on that. I didn't so either. It was, it was bugging them too in their gut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the result of Christ doing that, the believers worshipped him as a result. The mm -hmm. The Pharisees and all those guys were like, of course, they were mad, but right. whatever. They were exactly. always mad. And there are a couple of places, that being one of them, where, yeah, we're, so we're used to the meek and mild Jesus. And I often tell people, meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. Right. Like when, whenever he wanted to, he even said, I could call down a legion of angels right now. But he didn't. He, he restrained himself. He submitted his life, his strength to God's purposes. Um, but it wasn't that he was weak or he was a doormat. Um, he just, it wasn't his time to judge the world. It wasn't his time to make things right. Um, God, first of all, is a God of love and grace. So he had to accomplish that first. But when he comes back, it's not going to be meek and mild Jesus. It's going to be, like I said, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I mean, G and this is what we forget. Jesus was a man's man. You know, he was, yeah, he, he was. wasn't some, you know, little weakling. He was, he was a strong dude. He, and he was a, he drew people to him, rough guys like Peter and the 12 knucklehead apostles. I mean, these guys were roughneck, you know, rough around the edges, tough guy. Fishermen were like some of the toughest guys out there. And Peter wanted to follow Jesus, you know. So he, he, was, he was a man's man back then. And I love this one picture in uh, John when, during, the, during the scene when Jesus is bringing the, the army to come get Jesus in the, in the wilderness. Um, and they're like, you know, we're looking for Jesus. Who are you? No, who, and he says, who are you? And Jesus says, I am he. But when he said, I am that Yahweh, that Old Testament name of God, it says everybody just fell to the ground. So it was like a lightning strike, just knocked everybody on their tail. And uh, just by him stating the, the, the Old Testament name of, of God. Um, so that's kind of a little mini snapshot of what he'll be doing in, in Revelation in the tribulation period. And I also try to remind people that God is love, but he's also a God of judgment in that it would not be loving of God to let Hitler go free. <laughs> you know, it would right. recently I've heard of, we've heard so many, you know, young kid, there's a three-year-old girl here in Georgia that just went missing and they found her dead a day or two later. I mean, people are doing horrific things. It would not be loving of God to just say, Oh, grace covers all that. You're, you're <laughs> now grace does cover it. If they come to Christ, of course, you know, that's the purpose of the cross. But if we jump over the cross to ignore it and we just have to answer for our sins ourselves, it's only right that God, that there's a period of time at the end of the world when God makes it all right. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. And I think a lot of people in the church are actually going to be surprised. Yeah. I really, really do. Okay. So we do mm -hmm. have a caller. But what we're going to do first uh, before we take our caller, I think I know who it is, by the way. I'll have to look, but I think I know who it is. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take our, our break for our sponsor first, and then we'll take our caller afterwards. So you guys, if you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in midway here. This is Bible News Radio. I am your sweet and lovable host. And our sponsor is Ariel Ministries. And, you know, I was talking to Todd about Ariel before. He's he's actually, he loves this ministry too. So it's super cool. You guys can go uh, to ariel.org. And save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News. And if you want to learn about the end times, one of the books that I would recommend of Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum is In the Footsteps of the Messiah, uh, where he actually takes you through the book of Revelation and from a Jewish perspective. And also, what's the other one? Um, is that it? Or is it uh, Israelology? The Missing Link and Systematic Theology is a more, um, that's a more heady book about 
about the role of, the role of Israel. Yeah, and then there's the abridged version, which is mm-hmm. um, Israel past, present, and future, something like that. Um, That's the abridged version of Israelology. Yeah. Okay. So you can look for those books. There, it's on our uh, the resources page of our website, BibleNewsRadio.com. There you go. Thank you, Bareface. Bareface makes his appearance on the show. Okay, anyway. <laughs> also, another way you can support our show is by going uh, to BibleNewsRadio.com. And as the Lord leads you to give to the show, I just ask that you donate through our PayPal website there at BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Or if you want to support my other job that I do in order to help keep this up and going as well, um, I do sell legal insurance great it's a great product if you don't have it if you're a small business owner you can you can actually get it as well for as low as 35 dollars a month you can be getting um, unlimited access to an attorney provider law firm you can get your will done if you don't have it done if you if you're one of those drivers that gets tickets you can get help with your tickets uh, contract review and uh, like a ton more i mean randall and i've been using it for over a year now uh, our member perks have saved us close to a thousand dollars in one year, just so you know. And that's not bad for a twenty-five dollar a month membership for the, for the Legal Shield. Also, we offer identity theft protection uh, through ID Shield, and um, that's our partner product with Legal Shield. So if you need that, and I hope you get it, then you can also get that through us. Just contact me through our website. That link I believe is also on our website, right? Under our yes, under. Um sponsors yeah so you can do that you can do that and all that so so uh, that's some ways you can support us and i'm still looking to meet my goal this month i'm, I'm still short <laughs> so if it's something you've been thinking about doing then get in touch with me like soon before the month is over that way i can help meet the goal that i need all right okay so if you just joined us let me tell you again todd uh, Hampson is our guest. This is his brand new book the Nonprofit's guide to the book of revelation and the subtitle here is Bible Prophecy for Everyone, Cuts Through the Complexity and Confusion, Entertaining and User-Friendly, Full of Fascinating Visuals, Timelines, and Charts. And I said earlier that uh, we wanted to try having somebody call into the show. It looks like we have somebody on the line. I think I know who it is, but I'm going to go ahead and unmute you. Do me a favor, say your name, where you're calling in from, and then uh, what your question is for Todd, and then I will get your address after the show. Okay, you're on the air. Oh, hi, this is Gina, and I'm in northwest Arkansas. Oh, hi, Gina. How are you? <laughs> what, did you guess right? I, was I who you thought I was? I No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize the number. I have a lot of numbers in my head, but I got that one wrong. But, yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> okay, I'm doing okay. Cool. You have a question for Tom? Yeah, yeah my question was... Um, could he give a synopsis of what the end times actually will look like to us and what things we see today, you know, happening that point to that or that go along with that? Absolutely. Yeah. My, so my first, this is my second book. My first book is called the nonprofits guide to the end times. Mm-hmm. And it gives a basic overview of Bible prophecy in general uh, in ask the question, is it biblical to look for end time signs? And then it kind of unpacks that. Then the whole second half of the book talks about those end time signs. And we look at, uh, what Jesus shared in the Olivet discourse, which is his second longest teaching was on the end times. And then we also look in that book at Daniel and revelation. And then this book is strictly on revelation, but it, but it's a chronological walk through the book of revelation. So I, in the first book, I kind of highlight all the different views. Some people believe, like myself, that we're pre-trib. We, we are raptured out of here before the tribulation begins. Um, personally, I believe that's mm-hmm. thoroughly biblical and supported very strongly in Scripture. Um, and I unpack that in a, in a couple of chapters in book one. Then, But some people are mid-trib or post-trib. And, um, but here's the interesting thing. All, and I have friends in all stripes, and I've done interviews on people's shows of that are mid-trib and disagree with me on certain points, but we're still friends and we still talk about it. But the interesting thing is people of all stripes in terms of end times views sense the fact that the Lord's return is soon and that the birth pains that Jesus talked about in the Olivet Discourse are all happening in our day. Uh, and, and in book one, I talk about the super sign that we're in the end times is 
that Israel became a nation again. All of the Old Testament prophets, except for Jonah, predicted yeah. that in the end times, Israel would become a nation again after a long time of dispersion when the Jewish people were being scattered all over the world and abused and, and, and that kind of thing. So Israel is a super sign. And then there's several sign categories. And then kind of the, the back end super sign is convergence, where like, like you're addressing the fact that we see all of these things happening in our day at the same time, whether it's Middle East events, whether it's, you know, the, the coarsening of culture, uh, a push towards one world, one world religion, one world government, one world currency, all those things that the book of Revelation talks about, we see casting their shadows ahead of them right now. Um, so, so yes, I do believe we, we are seeing signs of the end times right now. Um, I believe that we are, I believe the Bible teaches we're raptured out of here. And I, I do talk about this in, in, the, in the Revelation book because chapters one and two talk all about the churches. You know, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, two and three, verse one kind of opens up uh, the book. Then chapters two and three talk all about the churches. Then at the opening verse of chapter four, John hears a trumpet, sees an open door in heaven and is called up. And then I believe that signifies the rapture. Another reason that backs that up is that the symbolism of the churches in chapters two and three are the, the lampstands. Well, after that opening verse in chapter four, we see those lampstands in heaven's throne room. So, and then we don't hear about the church until we return with Christ in chapter 19, when he's coming back to at the end of the tribulation period. Um, and then in, within the tribulation period, chapters four through, you know, four through 19, roughly, um, it unpacks the seven, the, the three different sets of seven judgments that the world would go through. And there's also some parenthetical chapters, but what's really cool. And I'll see if I can find one of these. Um, and I did this kind of for me, but I, but <laughs> so that I, I would never lose my place, but, uh, other people seem to like it as well. There's a chart at the beginning of each chapter that shows exactly where you are in the book of revelation so as you read through the book you and you bump into that at, at, in each chapter you get from more and more familiar with the chronology of revelation um so that that was probably a long answer to your short question but did that answer it or did you have any follow-up questions related to that oh yeah that was a good answer thank you <laughs> you're welcome i love it all right did you have any other questions gina no. Well, maybe um, what does Lord of Lords and King of Kings really mean and look like? Mm, that's very for us today. I think for us today, I think those of us who are believers and, and bow the knee to Christ, I think we acknowledge that now that he's the king of the universe, that though there may be different world rulers or in the book of Revelation, what we find is there's a character known as the Antichrist who actually becomes a one world ruler the same thing that hitler tried to do and stalin and others have tried to do um and and basically that term i believe is saying is jesus is god affirming the fact that yeah y'all might think you're kings you might think you're rulers you might think you're big and bad <laughs> but this but jesus is lord of lords and king of kings i mean there's there's no one above him and i think it does speak directly to the fact that Part of the reason, well, one of the main reasons he's returning at the end of the tribulation, he sets up a thousand year millennial kingdom on earth, which you can read a lot about that in the book of Isaiah and a bunch of the Psalms. Um, some denominations allegorize that away and just say, well, we're living in the kingdom now. Well, yes, we have the kingdom of God within us. Jesus said that, but there's a, there's a physical, literal 1000 year reign of Christ after the tribulation period, and he will literally rule the world from Jerusalem and he will literally be Lord of Lord and King of Kings. So I think it speaks to that as well. Are you there, Gina? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good answer. Yeah, right? yes, thank title. you. That was a good answer. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, and I unpack it a lot more detail in the book um, and, and explain that some of the purposes for the millennial kingdom and, because to me, as a like I mentioned, I don't know if you saw the beginning of the show. I grew up unchurched, so I didn't, I didn't have any frame of reference. And to me, it just made more sense that all right, if there is a God, when we die, if we know Him, we go to straight to heaven, and that's kind of the end of it. What's all this stuff with new heavens and a new earth and a millennial kingdom and all this? But it all ties into specific promises and prophecies of the Old Testament, 
um, the book of Revelation, it's really a Jewish book. It's, it's 404 verses, but it has over 800 direct references to the Old Testament. So, which is another reason Christians get tripped up by it because of the symbolism and they don't understand a lot of the Jewishness of it. But the book of Revelation really does force you into theology and forces you to study the Old Testament. And then you just find all kinds of riches that you didn't even know were there. Very cool. Well, Gina, yeah. I will. You you want his book? Because if you want, sure. It. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought you might because yeah. she said no. I love it. <laughs> he would. I'd be like, you're gonna get this book anyway because I'm gonna give it yeah. to you. Um, it's a great book. And Gina, thanks for calling in. I think I have somebody else who's about ready to call in too. So we're gonna go ahead and okay, hang up, hang up you. on you. But thanks for calling for the in. book and for the answers. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right, cool. So we have another guy. I think he's going to try to call in because he, he asked me a question in the chat room. And okay. uh, hopefully, Randall, can you put the number back up just in case? Um, I don't know if that's possible. Um, could do that. Let's see here. Go ahead. Do that. Okay. All right. I just, hopefully Gina doesn't mind. I just kicked her up. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Pooh, now you're gone. No. All right. Um, so we'll, we'll wait. If if you if you have a hard time getting in TR, let me know, and then I can um, I can ask your question, the other question you have. Um, so uh, yeah, those are good questions. Okay. Now I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, really were. I wanted to um, actually tell you what I learned. You taught me something. I mean, you always <laughs> teach me stuff, but you know what I'm saying. Ooh. I have yeah. here. Let's see. Where is it? Oh yeah. Okay. So. In here, you have um, great things. Okay, there it is right there. You were talking about the day of the Lord mm -hmm. here. And this is kind of cool because I love the fact, I mean, I love this book because <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, it's fun to read. It's, you know, I needed, I never knew how much I needed pictures. <laughs> but your illustrations are great. Anyway, you write here. Uh, I'm going to write, I'm going to turn the page here. The Day of the Lord, you wrote here, another interesting detailed, uh, detail related to the setting John described when he received the vision, visions of Revelation is found in verse 10, where John wrote, mm -hmm. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a, a voice, a loud voice like a trumpet. The literal translation of this would be rendered, I was in the Spirit on the Day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the phrase, the Day of the Lord, is used to refer to the tribulation period it's possible john may have been referring to the lord's day or sunday but many bible scholars say john was indicating uh that the lord had taken him into the spirit realm to witness key events of the tribulation mm -hmm. now <clears throat> this is an issue like the whole church never actually even talks about the day of the lord for the most part they, we don't talk right. about it except mm -hmm except saying stuff like the day of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. But like, what does that mean? Right. Anyway, mm -hmm. I had always read it in the way in my mind thinks I always read it as um, Sabbath or Sunday. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if it's because of our Western mindset. This is just kind of how yeah. we look at stuff. But what you wrote mm -hmm. there about it could being a vision of the actual day of the Lord yeah. makes actually it makes more sense to me and it I, does, yeah. yeah and i really appreciate all the verses that you put up here in this little chart so go ahead and elaborate on that because i i uh, I, I thought that was kind of cool <laughs> yeah that's one of those kind of interesting gems you just stumble on as you're starting to study the details of it um and and also i should say i try to be really careful in both books whenever something's like clear you can build crystal clear theology on this and then things that are little bit more speculative but seem to make sense given the context and i think this is one of those that um you know like it's like like i said some people think he was just saying he was there on the lord's day like on the sabbath but when you look at the group when you look at the greek and, the, and how it's actually unpacked it, and then what happens after that it it makes a lot of sense that he may have been saying i was actually in the day of the lord and one thing i i highlight that to kind of help people see what I'm talking about there. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, it said one of the temptations was when Satan took him to a high place and said, see all the kingdoms of the earth. I will give all of these to you. 
Well, obviously, there's no mountain on the world where you can go to a high place and see all the kingdoms of the world, because for one thing, there's a bunch on the other side of the world. Right. <laughs> so, but in, in the in the unseen realm, somehow, some way, when we step out of our, you know, 3D space-time continuum um, in the spiritual realm, you can you you can see more. So, I believe Jesus literally saw all the kingdoms of the earth in one glance, um, kind of like how God is outside of time and can see past, present, future all at the same time. It's, it's something that's hard, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around. Uh, but the, the vivid pictures that John describes of the judgments of stuff that he had never seen before. And he's even struggling to communicate he's like, it's like this, it's like that all through the book of revelation. Um, I do believe that this is indicating that he literally was taken to see the, the day of the Lord. I don't know if it was a time travel thing or just a vision thing, or, but it's something in the unseen realm where he was literally taken to, he was in the, he was in the day of the Lord seeing all this stuff take place. So that, that is, that's kind of my take. And I think, I think scripture backs it up. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting. I do. Um, uh, Cause. Oh, and, that, and I forgot to unpack <clears throat> what that is. <laughs> uh-huh. So the day of the Lord is the tribulation period. Um, Daniel chapter nine, there's 70 weeks of history of Jewish history. 70 weeks of years and 69 of those are done, but there's one seven year period, one seven week of years that is designated as the day of the Lord. And um, day of the Lord has to do with judgment. Anytime you come across that in the old Testament, it has to do with God coming to right the wrongs and set everything straight. So, so that's what the day of the Lord is. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, um, so my, my, my friend here is having a hard time getting in with his phone. I guess people's phones are having issues tonight. A coincidence? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, so let me scroll mm-hmm. back up here. I'm going to read TR's question. Uh, okay, let's see here. Let me go ahead. Okay, so he wants to know um, it, if you will please share your views on God's war on terror, uh, Islam, prophecy, and the Bible by Walid Shubat, or similar views regarding Islam. Which, yeah. by, by the way, before you answer that, I should tell you, actually, Walid Shubat was on my show, and I actually got to interview him in person. And there's a nice. video of me and Walid uh, probably 10 years ago now on on YouTube that we did. And I have to tell you, he is one interesting man, <laughs> for, <laughs> for sure. Uh, we had him come to our church in person, and uh, we, we, we were going to have to get security and, I mean, all this stuff. This was years ago. But anyway, yeah, yeah. his book's controversial. But what, do yeah, you, what are your thoughts definitely. if you've read it? I don't yeah, he, he and I think he and Joel, uh, not Rosenberg, Richardson. Joel uh, Richardson, Yeah, I think he's have done been, some co-ministry together. Yeah, he's been on my show too. Awesome. Yeah, from what I understand, I've, I've never studied that in depth and I don't know either of them personally. I believe they're guys who love the Lord and uh, are studying Bible prophecy. Uh, the little bit that I've heard, I probably would disagree. Like from what I understand, they teach that the the – Islamic take on the caliphate and the Mahdi, the, their Christ that's coming, they t- their take is that that's going to be the Antichrist and that the Antichrist is going to be um, Islamic and that kind of thing. And uh, and I've, I think, if I, if I remember correctly, Joel Richardson and Bill Salas had a good debate, uh, again, an in-house debate between two <laughs> brothers who love the Lord but have different perspectives. And Bill Salas kind of um, debated him on that and showed how and this is kind of where I fall in is that I think it's pretty clear in Daniel chapter nine that the antichrist is going to come out of a revived Roman empire. And I know there's some discussion that, well, yeah, the Roman empire also came over to, you know, the, the, the Western leg. I mean, the Eastern leg was more Islamic and that kind of thing. Um, but the, the biggest area I struggle with it is I don't see how uh, an Islamic um leader could rise up and then call himself God and still be accepted. And I I think there's just too many problems with it. I think it's tempting to see it. Uh, They see um, uh, Mecca as the future Babylon because there's a lot of similar things there. It's on, it's near water. It's there's uh, occult like things that already go on there and that kind of thing. But um, so I think it's, I I think it's an interesting study that will force you to study what the Bible says about it. uh, And, from what I understand, they're, they're brothers who love the Lord, but I probably would disagree with their take on who the Antichrist is going to be. And I, I do think when you study one of the uh, last end times wars is the War of Gog and Magog, where it's Russia and a bunch of Islamic countries, Turkey and, and Iran, 
uh, and then some Islamic countries from Northern Africa that attack Israel and destroyed. So I think by the time that happens, I think, um, and even actually now in Iran, um, Muslims are becoming Christians by the thousands. I mean, there's a, there's an explosive awakening going on in Iran right now. So honestly, I think Islam is kind of, if we're near the end times, like we think we are, I think it's kind of on its way out. I think it's going to, the moderate Muslims will probably merge with the one world government, which the Pope is already pushing for mm-hmm. big time and, and, and bridges there. So things are changing, but I think I see why they kind of went there, you know, 10 or 15 years ago with everything that was going on with the war on terror, nine 11 and all that stuff. Um, but if, if nothing else, I think it served to make us study the topic more in depth. You know what? That is a great answer. <laughs> I have to tell you, it really is. Cause I've had bill, on my show numerous times and mm-hmm. he's con- kind of controversial yeah. I've, I've had joel richardson and waleed on on my show i've had kamal salim i've had um uh what's his name mm-hmm. uh, some of the other guys i've i've had sure. nani darwish i mean we've talked about the issue of islam um pretty in depth on our show yeah. um it definitely it, has accelerated in time yeah. events for sure well 100%. it has and and I think the reason why is because when 9-11 hit, most Americans had no clue what Islam was even about. Right. Including me. Yeah. And yeah. then when you looked at the theology of Islam and you understand that they're worshiping Allah and basically for them to get their paradise, they got to kill people. Right. right. But then. Or die in jihad. Yeah. How, how many like, um, like sects of Islam are there? There's, there's gazillions. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot, you know, right. and so. Uh, there are some people who who uh, look at that and they, they think, well, you know, I'm a moderate. I don't believe that. I don't believe I have to kill Christians and Jews. But yeah, I'm thinking, well, but then there's the deep state stuff and there's all that stuff yeah. <laughs> behind 9-11 yeah. that if you look at all that, you're kind of like going, what am I to believe here anyway? Right. You there's know? a lot of crazy stuff going on. That's for sure. There is. And then let's be honest, Walid has a questionable background anyway. I mean, a lot of people question his background mm-hmm. as a former terrorist. Well, if he murdered all these people, he came to the Lord. How come he's not in prison? You know, I mean, there's right. there's that type of stuff, too. Me, yeah. I personally just find it a really interesting conversation, Absolutely. Which, which is why I have people like that on my show. Plus, I think it's kind of cool. Um, exactly. They come on this show. And people are asking the questions and yeah. wanting to know what they believe and and uh, it helps equip them. Yeah. And um, TR said in their views regarding the Mahi, Mahdi. Yeah. So their views regarding the Mahdi is that it's a, it's an end time figure that will come come and rule, basically rule the caliphate. Uh, so it's kind of their version of the Antichrist, but they think it's the Messiah. You right. know? So they So they think it's their Messiah. But we would see that if that if that was like the Antichrist, you know, then that that's kind of Joel Richardson and, and Walid's uh, take. Yeah, but I don't, but I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know our, we got like about five or six minutes left, so I want to get to one last question I had. Um, first of all, I wanted to, you know, tell everybody, look, you guys, look, don't forget to go to Todd's website, ToddHampson.com. You know, you see his name. And you can get over there. You can sign up for his email list. You can get this book and his other books and other stuff. Um, you know, you can get also through my Amazon store if you want to do that too. But mm-hmm. um, here is uh, one of the cool things in the book that I read. Okay. I'm going to read it. It's on page 71. So I actually read this, people. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm super busy too. And I'm telling you. Um, I didn't read everything. I read half the book though. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So this is, this caught my attention. I don't know, Todd, if you're aware of this, but I, I wrote the voice of the martyrs persecution blog for eight years. Oh no, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I did that. And, cool. um, it was kind of a way to make money <laughs> all of a sure. sudden, you know, from marriage therapist to Christian persecution expert to <laughs> Bible news radio host to legal shield and identity theft insurance. Yeah. I have a weird Multi-hat. background. <laughs> That's right. They all have like protecting people in common, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, looking at a seal judgment number five on, on martyrdom, um, obviously because of my, my background and writing all about that mm-hmm. five days a week. Um, you wrote this revelation chapter six, verse nine to 11 says when he opened the fifth seal, 
I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul provides insight that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the Holy Spirit steps out of the way. There is a current... There is currently a tide of evil waiting to break loose on the earth the moment the church is removed via the rapture. Unique to the church age is the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells each believer starting at the moment of salvation, and this helps to have a restraining influence on evil in the world. But once the church and the influence of the Holy Spirit are gone, evil will become unleashed and engulf the earth like a tidal wave. Mm. There are more Christians persecuted and martyred in our day than in any other era in history. By the way, good job. I want to let you know, Thanks. good job, because that's true. Thank you. I was glad you knew that. A lot of that. people don't realize that. I yeah. know, and I'm so glad you knew that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have told you privately if you, if, anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says here, even in the West where Christianity has long flourished, it now wanes. Governments once founded on Judeo-Christian principles of law and order are steadily becoming antithetical or openly hostile toward their Christian roots. After Christians are raptured from the earth, the majority of the left-behind citizens of the world will celebrate their departure. Many will see the disappearances as some sort of a new age or alien judgment designed to eradicate the closed-minded, backward, and old-fashioned God followers who are holding humanity back from, quote, progress, unquote. <laughs> um, and then you, you say other stuff. But I wanted to bring that out, um, that you mm-hmm. actually mentioned... Um, what I, I agree with you, the the earthly explanation of the rapture is going to be, because I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. they don't think about it. They Oh, yeah, these people are nuts. They actually think they're yeah. going to be taken out of the earth. Where are they going to go? Mm-hmm. But the whole alien gospel and the New Age stuff, yeah. you want to elaborate on that for a minute? Yeah, they're, they're, and I haven't studied this in depth, but I know several uh, Bible prophecy authors and teachers who have. Right looked into and and some of them even had like new age backgrounds where that for years new age teachers and ufologists and stuff have been saying that um either aliens have been telling them or for the new age people their spirit guides which are i believe are just demons demonic activity yeah uh, have been telling them and they you can go check this in books have been telling them that there's coming a time when the earth is going to get rid of a large group of people who are holding it back from the next stage of evolution. And that when this happens, don't be afraid and know that you were found worthy to, to go through the next phase of evolution. But, and then even a lot of them even point out that the people that are going to be taken are Christians because we're holding, we're holding back evolutionary processes of spiritually and all this kind of goofy stuff. Um, so the enemy knows Bible prophecy, and he knows what's coming, and he knows how close we are. So he's already laying the groundwork. Honestly, I I believe that the theory of evolution is a long laid plan that ties directly into that and lays the groundwork for the explanation that's going to be given after the rapture. And and I, w- I want to affirm what you said. We are crazy for believing that the rapture is going to take place if it were not for for fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. If, if, if we just suddenly had this teaching, hey, God's coming to take us all out and we're just going to disappear, it would be absolutely insane. But we're not, we're not saying that in blind faith. We're saying that in reasoned faith. You know, there's right. a, about 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled to the letter. So that's a pretty big down payment that this book can be trusted. It has authority. It is from God. And all the crazy stuff that he says about the future is going to happen, even though it is notably and understandably crazy from a human perspective. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, what's interesting, too, I was just thinking back um, to, to do you remember? I think it's Heaven's Gate. Oh, yeah. You remember the that comment and all that stuff? Yeah. yeah but, you know, I, I didn't click until just now. I was remembering um, which shows how old I am. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, but but they were, they're waiting for a UFO to show up. Right. They thought with the comet that a UFO mothership was going to 
take them off of the earth, but they had to commit suicide in order to join them. Yeah. yeah. Which is so sad, right? I mean, that's it really is. Yeah. And there were some smart people. I remember one guy in a Bible study saying, how did these smart, I mean, some of them had doctorates and were just, just IQ wise were incredibly smart. And we, we told them it's just deception. It's evil, demonic deception that tricks people. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, it is interesting. You know, the word talks about how he makes the wise people of this world. They're really yep. stupid. And, <laughs> right. And the foolish things, the foolish, you know. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, think about it. You're, you're thought of as an idiot if you believe we were created versus evolved. Right. But look at the science of it, just the logic and the science of it. It, it Creation is definitely biblical. I mean, it's definitely more scientific than the theory of evolution. Well, you're thought you're an idiot. People think you're an idiot. You believe marriage is one man and one woman. I mean, hello. Yeah, it's getting worse. <laughs> exactly. It's it's yeah. it's really it's really sad. I mean, it really is. But yeah. but I think your book is great. I think it's a Thank necessary you. need in the in the marketplace. Everybody, hey, you really should get this book. And so go ahead, tell people how they can get it. And also, I would love if you came back and came back and did another show with me. Oh, I think, any, I think anytime, awesome. I'd love to. I love, I love the fellowship. I love sharing with people. And the more I can do to get the word out there, because I'm hearing more and more stories about people in, being impacted by it. And if you're giving it to a non-believer in both of my books, it actually presents the gospel in the chapter. So it's for non-Christians alike as well. Um, but you can get it at, if you go to toddhampson.com, you can get all the information or the nonprofitsguide.com. Or if you just go to your favorite online bookstore, uh, it's there available. Or I think you mentioned y'all are carrying it. So go there. I mean, you guys are nice enough to have me on. I'd love for people to go to your site to uh, buy the book. And one thing I want to leave the readers with is because there, I mean, the listeners with, there is a lot of um, scary stuff in Revelation, admittedly. But really, this, this this book is designed to give hope, and it really does. It, it shows not just the scary stuff that happens during the tribulation, but also the glorious future we have in the millennial kingdom and in, in heaven and eternity. So it's really a, a book of hope and takes away the fear factor. Yeah, and I like how you, you do that, but you add some fun to it. And I yeah. think that's part of the reason I like it so much is because— <laughs> um, you know, you take a, quote, stuffy, deep theological topic, right. and and you make it simple so even knuckleheads like awesome. me can get it. <laughs> hey, I had to make it so I could understand it, so I just <laughs> that's just a bonus. But, but yeah, I noticed that same thing, too, that that's one thing that turned people off to prophecy and revelation is just thinking it's too deep or too intellectual or, or that you have to have a PhD to understand it. You don't. If I could understand it, you could understand it. Let me ask you this, just one last thing. Do you think that the Lord has kind of opened up, um, you know, kind of opening up the eyes of people now more towards this book too anyway, just because, you know, for many years, like people couldn't understand mm -hmm. Daniel or Revelation. Yeah. Do you think that they... I, I do believe it's unsealing, you know, even, even in Daniel, he talked about that when he saw a bunch of the prophecies and basically said to the angel, what do these all mean? And then he said, Go your own way, Daniel. This isn't for your time, but it's for the time of the end when knowledge and travel will be increased greatly. And that's our time. And I do believe we are understanding things now in the book that have, that's always been there that past generations haven't fully understood. Uh, part of its perspective, like us seeing the nation of Israel come into right. existence, but, um, but a lot of it is too. The closer we get to the end, I think the more we're going to understand. Yeah, you know, it's funny you should say that. I one of my one of my kind of hobbies is is going back to newspapers and looking at what day it is a hundred years ago, mm -hmm. and just looking at archaic stuff. And I remember uh, when That's I pretty cool. when I started seeing Israel like mentioned before it became a nation, mm -hmm. and reading the perspective of then, but going, oh my gosh, this yeah, these people have no idea that like yeah. it happened. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Puritans in the 1700s right. were starting to say, hey, the Bible says at some point Israel is going to be a nation again. And they said, you're absolutely nuts. Well, right. it happened. It you know? Yeah, um, history is so. interesting for sure. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, this has been great. Uh, Todd, you're awesome. You, you Great guest. Just have Likewise. To tell you Thanks. You're a great host. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I feel good now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, don't forget, go to Todd's website, toddhampson.com. Sign up for his email list. You know, you'll get some fun stuff there. Um, and tomorrow is Sunday. So tomorrow night, Bareface will be opening up the word of God 
on the show we're we're calling Sunday Sunday in the Scriptures. Is that what we're calling it? I don't know. That's right. I guess that's it. Instead of weekends in the Word, now it's Sunday in the Scriptures. Uh, so join us again tomorrow. Don't forget, if you haven't joined my text message list, you can also do that. Text Bible News to 33222. And you can get on my text message list. And uh, thanks to Gina again for calling in, TR for your question. And Sean, I know that you wanted to, to get in there too. And sorry you couldn't do that. But we're, you know, hopefully your phones will start working because we're going to keep doing this format. And I'd love to hear more interaction with you, uh, especially since this is worldwide. And, you know, you guys can call in and stuff. So uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, remember, as I always say at the end of every show, be bold, stand up. And go with God because he loves you. He really does.